Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are once again dipping into the ranks of the 3252 to bring a fan story here to you. Today we have one of my absolute favorite people from within the 3252. We are joined by Senor Slippy himself, Mr. Brian Hermosillo. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Super excited. Like I said, long-time listener, first-time caller. Hopefully not last-time caller. Amen. Yeah, dude, thank Amen. You. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, I don't know if Brian and I have ever actually met in person, but the clubhouse, if you guys aren't on clubhouse, get on clubhouse, join the LA FC club that has started because that's where I actually got a chance to talk to Brian. And, uh, dude, you find out a lot about people when all you can do is just sit there and just talk about anything, dude. We bring up all sorts of topics. I love Clubhouse. We go into yeah. some deep dives and open up some very long wormholes for yep, deep cuts. Uh, I've had the pleasure of having some beers with Slippy and with Max impromptu like twice somehow. It's just really interesting, but uh, you know, happy to have you on, man. It's been way too long since I've seen your face and IRL, as you kids say nowadays. IRL, so true, IRL. <laughs> Just seeing your face makes me a little, a little of a clip, a little weepy for the old days. I think we all miss the North End experience, the Christmas tree lane experience so much that anytime I randomly, even through Zoom, get to come across the face of someone, you know, it it warms, it warms the fuzzies. So with that, boys, we're back. It's good to be back. I know we took a week off last week. Apologies for our brief hiatus. I unfortunately was out of town for the week doing uh a little bit of hawk sock, man. So I uh, had five broadcasts in five days with the Ontario Fury. So rise with fury, man. Whew. Thank you guys for everyone who supported us, chimed in, listened in. I know Wednesday's broadcast started off a little awkward. We had about everything that could go wrong, go wrong in the broadcast booth. Technologically, it wasn't the greatest show, but by the weekend, I really think Philly and I got our chops down. Shouts to my brother, Philly. He was a great partner to be with for five straight days. I don't know if my liver can handle another five straight days with Philly, but it was such an amazing experience and happy to announce that we have been signed on permanently as the broadcast team for the Fury, and we will be back next week doing the playoffs. Right on, bro. So not only are you going to do potentially the rest of the season and depending on who the finals end up being but you are for sure signed on again for the following season the 2020 the beginning of 2021 in november yeah the 2021-2022 season obviously in the world of media anything is up in the air and can change at any time but as of right now christian philly philemon is the voice of the ontario fury and i am his broadcast partner doing color commentary and rank number two among MASL broadcast teams in the first five days, bro. Ah, uh, yeah. Shouts to the folks at MASL inside the box. Those corn dog loving, wonderful people. They are uh, a truly unique world. We had the fortunate ability to ingratiate ourselves to the MASL community based on some investigative sideline reporting we did in the San Diego Soccer's Ontario Fury game on Saturday, which, if you have not had a chance to listen to, it is well worth the $8 pay-per-view to go back and listen to that game 
just to hear what happens at the beginning of the third quarter. And if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll give you a little insight into this. So Please between do. the first and second quarter, the head athletic trainer, Mr. Savage, for the San Diego Sockers, walks all the way across the pitch over to the officiating table and starts lighting the officials up, yelling at them, big animated gestures. It was clear that something was going on. And it was also clear that everyone around him was cracking up. So as we start the second quarter, we teased, hey, there's some big interaction that took place here between the officiating table and the head athletic trainer. We're going to reach out at halftime, find out what happens, and we're going to get back to you fans. At this point, we have absolutely no idea what actually happened. We just saw this exchange take place. And so we thought, oh, my gosh, this is, this is, this is great content. So we're going to find out what happened. So at halftime, we reach out to some people down at the officiating table. And we're like, dude, what was going on there? What was he talking about? And they were like, oh, dude, Jonathan, you are never going to believe what happened. So they regale this entire story to me about what this conversation was. We go back, we, we do some fact checking on it. We speak to some other people and we come back for the third quarter and we present the results of our investigative reporting to the MASL audience. So as it turns out, Mr. Savage, their athletic trainer, went over to the officials and complained about the game balls that were in play. Now, backstory, the player Farber, who plays for the San Diego Soccers, is the one who invented and owns the company that manufactures the game ball used throughout the course of play. So San Diego's own player manufactures the game ball. So they're well aware of everything about the game ball. So it turns out this guy went over to the officials. And mind you, it's an empty stadium. So you can hear anything that's going on. And there's five or six media people and a handful of like friends and family in the stadium. So it's not like the stadium's completely empty. And this guy's screaming at the top of his lungs at the officials that they did not rub the balls down before the game. And the balls still had this sheen on the outside of them that made them too slippery. And this guy is yelling at the top of his lungs, we need to rub these balls down. We need to rub these balls down. They're too slippery. These balls are too slippery. These slippery balls don't work. So we go on the broadcast to start the third quarter, and we launched into the results of our investigative reporting and informed the fans that San Diego Soccers had complained that the balls were too slippery. They had concerns about player safety. They voiced these concerns. The Tacoma Stars, another team that was playing in this bubble ball round robin games that took place, their keeper, Waltman, is in the stands right behind the officiating table. So we reached out to him through social media and we were like, hey, Waltman, like, can you shed some light on this? Like, are these balls slippery? And he's like, dude, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. We have a grown man, <laughs> athletic trainer, claiming <laughs> we need to rub these balls down. These balls are too slippery at a professional sporting event. So we went on air and we talked about the scandal of slippery balls. And so the scandal of slippery balls ended up becoming a bit of an online joke for everyone who was watching the game. And the memes start flying in. You've got Scooby-Doo memes where they tear the mask off it and it's the game ball. And the San Diego Soccers would have won the game if it wasn't for those darn slippery balls. It's a big joke. Everyone's having a laugh about it. We thought it was pretty funny. We move on with the game. No big deal. That game was the final game of the Furies season. So we had our end of season wrap party. So the owner of the Fury takes us out to a private room in a club that he owns downtown. So it's all separated. 
Now, obviously, everyone gets tested as they enter the stadium. So we know everyone's COVID free. So it's a very safe environment. So we're all sitting around open bar, having drinks, smoking cigars, kicking back with the owners and the players. Amazing experience for a person like myself who is not used to that level of exposure to sit there and just like have a drink with the four-time MVP, Frank Tayu and the entire team and the ownership. And it was an amazing level of exposure that we got. So Philly and I get back to the hotel and it's like 1.30 in the morning. And who's in the hotel lobby? but the head athletic trainer for the San Diego Sockers. And he sees us come walking in and he points a finger right at me and goes, you slippery balls and calls me over and proceeds to berate me for how many messages he has gotten making fun of him for the whole slippery balls comment. And he launches into how it was about player safety and he wasn't trying to make a joke. And this was real. And I was making a joke out of something that was very serious and I'm looking at this guy like, dude, you yelled in an empty stadium where everyone could hear you. We need to rub these balls down. These balls are too slippery. Like, <laughs> come on. All right. This is the funniest thing that has ever happened at any sporting event I've ever been at. So we're kind of joking back and forth. He was needless to say, not too pleased about the whole situation. But either way, he could tell that, you know, we were a bit well served and it was late at night and, and it was probably best not to make a stink about it. So we go to sleep. We get up the next morning. We go down to the hotel lobby. Once again, who do I run into? It's the head athletic trainer for the San Diego Sockers. At this point, I've read all the memes. I'm showing him memes. He is once again not pleased that I am showing him memes about what's going on. But either way, we head straight to the stadium. As a broadcast team and a relatively green, by relatively green, I mean completely inexperienced broadcast team, we showed up at the stadium crack as soon as it opened. We're the first people in the door. We're the last people to leave. We're doing eight plus hours of prep before every game to make sure we're doing everything we can to put on as professional a show as possible. Slippery balls comments aside. And so we're at the stadium for a while. And of course, the soccer show up and their trainers with them. And the trainers like, you know, I want you to know they've replaced my name in the locker with the word slippery balls. And I cannot stop getting messages about slippery balls. <laughs> so inside the box, one of the main YouTube shows about the MASL does their weekend recap. And of course, what is the first segment that they cover on their weekend recap is, of course, the segment about slippery balls. So in just a few short games, we have already put our stamp on the league in the form of our investigative reporting about slippery balls. That was the highlight of my first week in the world of broadcasting. Aside from having a ton of fun with Philly, you know, getting to do something that the three-year-old me pretending to be Vin Scully in the back of the car could only ever dream of getting to do. And I think by the time we rolled around to the weekend games, we got our feet under us a little bit and uh, we had some fun with it. it. It went off pretty well, obviously to the point where we got called back. And, you know, I know we are going to put out a much better product as this goes forward, but it was very fun. And we got to start the slippery ball scandal, which is, which is my MASL claim to fame. And I'll, I'll get down off my slippery soapbox. That was awesome. That was really funny. And I, it's, you know, it's, it's hard, right? Because we're all sitting here on zoom and, you know, where our mics are off and, you know, it's like, like we're all laughing. Right. And as you're telling this story, it's so hard to, to tell stories when people are like, have their microphones off. But if we were in studio, you would have heard all of us rolling, but I was funny. That was really, uh, then really good. You and Christian not only looked the part, you guys sounded the part. 
after a couple of games under your belt. And, you know, being able to put your stamp on, on the league this quickly, being offered to stay on permanently as of right now and being offered some playoff games to potentially the final. I think the, if you think about the learning curve, you know, it speaks to your preparation, but also the talent that you guys have to be able to do this rather quickly. So congratulations to both of you, PodFam, Chris, Philemon, uh, you guys are amazing so far. And I can only think of you converting some of the LAFC family into the local Ontario Fury just to listen to you guys because you guys do have a talent for gab and being able to paint pictures with your words. Uh, and it's not easy, especially with a uh, quick game like uh, in arena soccer. So congratulations to you again. Thank you. And in- you never know, too, who you're going to see at these uh, Ontario Fury games. There was uh, two of our LAFC players showed up to these games. So unbeknownst to us, obviously, soccer players are friends with soccer players. Who knew? So the greatest player, arguably, in the history of arena soccer, four-time MVP, they call him the LeBron James of arena soccer. He plays for the Ontario Fury. His name's Frank Tayu. Amazing player. Guy is a beast. He can score at will. And so somehow, you know, some of the LAFC players wanted to come out and check out the greatest player in the history of the game. So it wasn't until probably halfway through the game that I looked down and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's Segura and Atuesta that are sitting in the stands right there. So somehow they had gotten a media pass to come to the game. Now, obviously, we can't leave the press box. I mean, we're working. But after the game, we did get to run down to the field. And our defenders of the bank, homie JR, the scarf, was there sitting in goal, taking shots from Segura and Atuesta. And they about broke his wrist. But uh, he did put in some admirable saves. I don't believe they scored on him. And we got to snap a quick photo with Segura and Atuesta, which was pretty cool. But I have to say, the whole MASL game is so fast-paced, action-packed. We're talking, you know, 10-5 score lines. I mean, 15 goals in a game. If you're a soccer fan or a hockey fan, it's fantastic entertainment. I'm really surprised it's not bigger. And anything I can do to help grow this game, obviously, is going to be fantastic as long as I am blessed to be a part of it. And the Ontario Fury experience I had was so positive, so much fun. I really hope people come out and check it out. Tickets are insanely cheap. The experience is so much fun, and I hope indoor soccer continues to grow. It's very different from Major League Soccer, but the nice thing about it is when the Major League Soccer season ends, that's when indoor soccer season starts. And when indoor soccer season ends, that's when the Major League season starts. So it's basically something to do during your off time if you need to get your soccer fix. It's fun. It's fast-paced. It's action-packed. You have the two craziest, silliest broadcasters in the world calling these games. And I think it has a potential to placate that American fan base that really wants to see more action in a game. So hopefully you guys all get a chance to come on out and check it out. Either way, for $8 a game or $39.99, you can watch the entire playoffs. Come check us out. All the games are broadcast on Facebook.com at the MASL page. And you can support Philly and I. We would sincerely appreciate it or just enjoy some good hawk sock. But thanks. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. One last thing I'll say to that is I actually grew up playing arena soccer. So for those that live in the Valley, just check out Chatsworth Arena Soccer League. It's a good way to get in shape real quickly because it's a nonstop game. The walls, the goals, the opportunities you get, and it's the fun. So it's it's a good game when Jonathan told me that that was something that 
he was going to be a part of, I told him, just be prepared because the ball doesn't go out and the substitutions don't stop. So you guys did a good job in a rather short time. Yeah, Jumping in here real quickly, uh, I actually live about a mile and a half away from the arena. So when this opens up, I will be there. I actually go frequent rowdies for Premier League matches and, and just to grab a beer. So for when the playoffs start, that's where I'll be you know, drinking at and watching you guys do your thing. Shouts to our good friends at Rowdy's Pub, your official brew pub of the Ontario Fury. Join us for all your watch parties. There you go. That's my plug. No, that's awesome, dude. I'm, um, Dude, tickets are heading your way. Believe me. We'll get you out there. It's so much fun. Tickets are so cheap, dude. Like 10 bucks. You know, you can come out and see a game. Group discounts. If you get a big group together, it's like eight bucks a ticket. I mean, come on. Eight bucks. That's a good night. And there's so much to do in that area too. There's a lot of restaurants that, you know, you can walk around there. It's, it's just, it's just such an underrated, you know, part of the community. Then. Yeah. I have to be honest. I was not too familiar with the greater Rancho Cucamonga Upland area. We ended up going to downtown Upland to this really cool bar salon on second, which was a great spot. Big, big fan of that place. A couple different places, fourth and mill right there by the stadium. And of course, rowdies, we hit up a couple times. It's a really nice area. It's a really fun experience and it doesn't overlap with, uh, you know, LAFC season. So, all right. But I think we've not talked about LAFC enough because we've got some big news on the LAFC front. Chris, lay it on us. We got new players, baby. Absolutely, man. New signing, new signing, new signing. Cal Jennings was acquired his uh, college protected list rights from FC Dallas in exchange for uh, its neutral third round selection in the 2022 MLS Super Draft. And additional incentives if Jennings meets certain performance criteria. This young man is a forward. He's uh, 5'11", 165 pounds, originally from Atlanta, Georgia. His most recent club that he played for was the Memphis 901 FC. And, uh, you know, just, uh, again, trying to bolster that front line. Some of his stats with the, the USL side. He's 23-year-old forwards appeared in 14 of the team's 15 games in Group G and finished first in nine in goals with nine, shots 21, and shots on goal was 17 so what do you guys think of of the newest signing i think it sounds like we're getting some competition in the central forward position for muzovsky and baird so i'm sure the staff did some adequate scouting to be able to bring him in in 2020 you know he was pretty high up there he was top 20 pick for whatever reason he didn't break into the first team so continue to get his reps in the usl and i'm not gonna say that LAFC hasn't done a good job because no one heard of Mazowski. And then, you know, he was pretty impactful last year. So if they see something in Cal Jennings that he could provide either competition or potentially start, why not take a look at him, you know, potentially sign him. And, and I know that everyone, I know on Clubhouse, Slippy, you know, and I was in agreement with him. We want someone like Costa or Gignac to come and be that central striker, that big name put the team on the map in a different place and, you know, become more than just the Vegas favorites, but just the overall favorites going into the season. But I will say that LAFC has done a decent job of bringing in some of these youngsters that no one knows about and molding them into a better player. What does that say about, you know, getting to the championship? That's another conversation, but I think identifying talent by and large, LAFC has done a good job. So I'm hopeful that Cal Jennings, We'll be able to do the same thing. Senor Slippy, I want to hear your thoughts on Cal Jennings. See, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the team. You know, like we were mentioning right now, no one had heard of Musovsky up until, you know, he started playing with us. You know, he put in some performances. Opoku, 
uh, as well. You know, we nobody had any idea, you know, what we were getting or who he was. And comes in and lifesaver against Cruz Azul, an incredibly clutch goal. So I'm really excited to see, you know, I haven't looked up as much. I, I saw his time with the Indy 11 and so on, but these guys are hungry. And if he's coming for us, I've never doubted, you know, our scouting. Uh, if he's coming for us, it's for a reason. If he's coming for us, it's because the, the staff believes in him and it's somebody who they think is going to deliver. And I'm excited. I'm really excited. This can go anyway, but I, I want to think that this guy We'll have some performances. We'll be talking more in a positive light about Cal Jennings to come. I hope so. I was just to say, I, I think that having any depth added at any position is always going to be good because it breeds competition. So even if Cal Jennings doesn't play a minute for LAFC, the fact that you have another presence like that in training every day, it's going to push other players who are potentially on that fringe of not getting minutes or getting minutes, it's going to push them to be better in and of itself. Cause you're going to have somebody right on your heels that could potentially overtake you. So, you know, even if, like I said, even if we don't ever see Cal Jennings suit up in an LAFC kit, the fact that we have players pushing is going to just make our other players better. Couldn't agree more. I believe he only had like a cup of coffee with Indy 11 and USL championship. I don't think he was there for very long. Memphis 901 he did actually get some minutes put in with. I know we don't think a whole lot of the Super Draft, but this is still a 2020 MSL Super Draft first rounder. Talking about a first round draft pick out of FC Dallas. FC Dallas certainly knows how to scout talent. I mean, if ever there is a team that knows youth talent and is arguably the best in the MLS at developing and scouting youth talent, it's FC Dallas. We know this was a player that was on Atlanta's radar from his hometown in Atlanta, Georgia, and FC Dallas swooped on this player, and yet we were able to sign him out from under them. All of those things are fantastic. Do we anticipate this player getting a lot of minutes this season with LAFC? No. He's probably bound for Las Vegas, and we need to fill that lights roster as well, too. With LAFC being in charge of the Las Vegas Lights soccer operations, making sure that we put talent that is going to be developable in that squad is certainly exactly why we've gone out and hired someone like Terundolo to run this team. And I'm sure this is someone that was on Terundolo's radar as well, too. Seems like right after he comes in, we have a signing like this show up. Those you know things sort of indicate that he was probably involved in this decision-making as well, too. All of that paints a very, very good picture. Thorrington has never ceased to bring in amazing talent. He's done it at every level, whether it's the Opokus and the Mazovskis of the world or our DP signings. Okay, so maybe not all the DP signings have worked out great, but not every signing is going to work out great for any club. We know he has this ability to bring in great young talent and foster it, and this seems like yet another classic example of that. I'm very excited to see what this young man can do. Go see Cal. Speaking of Vegas, what did you all think about the uh, first non-human cat flip? That's so great. That's arguably a top five cap tilt already. Power to the llama. The llama is everything. The llama is king. That llama is amazing. Oh, and, and Slippy, you, you talk about the llama. You like you know a little bit about the llama. 
tell us tell us what you think of uh, the affiliation of Las Vegas Lights and that being a actual partner, you know, an announcement of the partnership, the ability to be able to have some of our, um, you know, re- reserve squad be able to go to Las Vegas and get some playing time over there and talk about the community. I think you mentioned off the air that you have some insight in, into that as well. You know, the the second, the rumors are going out, I think it was Taylor Twelman and them who broke it out first. My face lit up. I was so happy because as a place that I, that I worked in for years and that I was in college for, I love Las Vegas. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles. My heart's in Los Angeles, but Vegas, man, you know, they were so deprived of sports. So when the lights were initially announced, it was, it was supposed to be a game changer. Things went out some, you know, somewhat differently. But now this affiliation with the LAFC, I think, is not only going to save the team, but lay the groundwork out for, you know, someday they'll have a franchise, an MLS franchise. Wherever that goes, you know, we'll see. But the community, this is good for everyone. This is good for LAFC because uh, Build labeled it as a farm team in their article. Build asked Chirundolo what he felt about running LAFC's farm team. That was in the question that they presented to him. When he responded, he spoke about his ability to develop players. So clearly, that's part of this arrangement. Exactly. There's the growing of talent, the, you know, like with Cal, sending him over to the Vegas Lights, seeing him perform, seeing the Vegas Lights become a competent club in the USL. They haven't had good luck. You know, they haven't made the playoffs. The record's been in shambles. The managerial decisions haven't been as great. But now we're in charge of that. LAFC demands excellence. And we, we, you know, we trust our coaches, we trust our staff and Steve Sharundal is not a guy that's, you know, here to mess around. Previously, they had Eric Winalda. I was going to say that. You don't think he's that good? Come on, man. I'm joking. He was, you know, <laughs> he can be a great manager, but I just don't think he got what he wanted, which, you know, happens. It happens. But the initial coach was Jose Luis Sanchez Solal Chelis uh, coming mm-hmm. from Mexico. That was their original manager. Football picante. That, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, now, no, now, you know, fun fact about him is match days he's superstitious so the man doesn't wear socks during match days he'll come out in a full suit but the man does not wear socks during match days and that didn't really work out with him when he was with the lights i think halfway into the season he got into an altercation with the ref and he was suspended for the rest of the season brought his son in to do that and you know it it felt like where were we going with the team when when alda came in we started smiling maybe there's a future but now we're here and the, the future is LAFC. I know the club was affected by the pandemic as a lot of sports institutions were, but, you know, was it Reno that folded? Uh, you know, Reno was a combatant USL team and they folded flat out in between the pandemic. Vegas seemed like it was going to go that way too. And this, this LAFC announcement, I can't tell you exactly how enthusiastic I am for it, how enthusiastic I am for our club and for their city. It's a lot to unpack. It's it's there's a lot of hardcore players, hardcore fans out there. Shout out to the Electric Company. Uh, shout out to Lucy Fuerza, the two of their supporter groups. They got their thing going on over there. They've got the hype. They've got the players. They've got you know like the Las Vegas Legends, which is their arena soccer team. They're great. The Downtown Las Vegas Soccer Club, which is a youth organization. There is a lot of promising young talent out there, and it's it's a little bit more you know it, it's a smaller area to pick out from but there there is a lot of people into the sport out there i actually got to spend some time with the head coach of the las vegas legends over the course of the past week really nice guy very very intelligent about the indoor game and we know that you have 
a little bit of a connection to the Las Vegas lights that we will dip into a little bit later in the show. But first, let's talk about kits. And so we're going to bring in our resident kit expert, the man who owns pretty much every piece of LAFC gear that has ever been created, our very own Christopher Sines. I don't think I own every piece. I'd like to own every piece. Okay, so we still have no kits. Diligent efforts. There might be a couple omissions in the collection, (laughs) but diligent efforts nonetheless. I will pay top dollar for almost anything that is LAFC related, hard to find or not. There's been plenty of occasions where I've way overpaid for a lot of things. Buyers beware. He will outpay you. (laughs) That's so bad. My wife hates that I spend so much money. Anyways, so we have no kit still. And no I kid mean, sponsored. Well, I, that's true. I mean, there's been no official announcement of our kit. We've seen the kit. There's no kit sponsor, even though I had just found out before we recorded that there was a, a slip on the well, call uh, a plumber. Call a plumber. We got leaks. Come on, let's hear it. Yeah, there was there somebody somebody leaked it onto Reddit and then it passed over to the infamous LAFC fans page and then it got deleted. And so now you can't find it. But if you're if you're in the know and you're someone that's on social media, I'm sure you can reach out and find it. But uh, the Jersey sponsor has been announced. So we will have a Jersey sponsor, but uh, you know, what, it, what was it? It was this uh, taco Tuesday taco Tuesday sponsor was brought to you by flex power tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, some people out there on social media just do the detective hunting and it, it can go completely accurate. Or it can go the entire opposite way as uh, with the llama announcement on uh, Thursday. Well, and what was the other one too with the tie-in on the llama, Brian? About the um, Peruvian, I think. Like guys... Ra- Raul Ruiz Diaz was in there. I was like, "What's going on?" No, sort of... no, no, no. They, they... Oh, right, the player from New England, right? So again, if you're not in Clubhouse, get on Clubhouse. Like this is a really, really fun app for people to get together. And so there was a group of people that were just, when Rich was live tweeting his uh, hints about what the domestic signing was going to be, these people in the Clubhouse were like, oh my God, wouldn't it be great if it was, uh, what's the name of the player from New England? Reddick? His name is Justin Rennix. Rennix, yes. And so then it started out, then they're like tweeting that it's Renix and they're like hashtagging and all this and it just blows up. And then, I, I mean, you know better than I do, Brian. So go ahead and finish the. Yeah, basically, you know, that was someone's dream signing. And one of the, you know, I I don't think any of the people there thought, you know, their their power would matter so much. It was like, yeah, it's going to be Justin Renix. And somebody picks up on that. And then the next morning you wake up and it's a full-on warfare with the revolution, you know, their version of Revolution Central or Revolution Rumors and, and everything. Like, no, he can't leave. Why is he leaving us? And I'm like, oh, oof, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't they a, took it a little personally. I think they were pretty <laughs> salty about what was really just a joke and people kidding around about LAFC Rich's tease. And well, some people over there got their behinds hurt, which was, uh, uh, I think, kind of funny, but also sad. What was you even know, funnier was that if you look at New England's social media posts, the Revolution had actually posted a picture of Justin Rennix in training as if to, like, prove to people that he wasn't leaving. See, it's great because, um, and God bless everybody on our socials. Uh, God bless, you know, the black and gold 
community on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but they do their research. Like I said, you know, they do their detective work. They have it cut it out for, for something's rumored with the club. Somebody's out there putting in the work. So I guess I wake up to somebody. Oh yeah. I watched tape on him last night. He scored two goals and like the pre-qualifier from, I'm like, oh my God. I think it was the LAFC Uruguay account that says, oh, hey, look, check this guy out. And somebody's replying there. And I'm like, I can guarantee you this guy's, this guy's not coming. Like this guy's not coming. Like there is no way this is coming. And he's like, how are you so sure? I'm like, I will give you my stimulus check once it comes in. <laughs> if this guy comes, if this guy comes, I will give you the lottery numbers for the next 10 years. And I'm pretty sure those will. <laughs> it's just so th- funny. Just, just think about the, the impact though. Like LAFC's not only like impacted the league in such a way, even like on the rumors, right? People are listening to us and then extracting some of the conversations we're having on Clubhouse or on Twitter and even impacting other clubs, reaching out or listening to what we're saying, following what we're talking about. So it's feeling more like football has arrived, like it is in Europe or in South America, where it's going beyond just the little niche communities following the club. It's it's expanding beyond the borders of our own cities and you know intertwining the city. So it's, it's something that I'm excited about and looking forward to continue to do that. So Slippy, keep dropping some fake rumors, dude. Please. <laughs> I wish I wish I could take credit for it. that. That was you know shout out to Fern and everyone else who had the creativity. You know I was in for the ride, but you know. Shout out to Rich because, you know, the Vegas Lights announcement was out. It, you know, it, it was out with everybody. We all knew it was coming. And somehow this man with his powerhouse got us hyped up for something we already known as coming and completely, you know, the art of misdirection. It was like a Christopher Nolan film. The guy just took us for an entire, you know, my the advertisements on my Twitter feed now are, are all they all have to do with his clues. My algorithm is all over the place. I'm getting uh, engineer applications, you know, Peruvian food recommendations, everything. My algorithm is all over the place. Getting alpaca sweaters or what? Yeah, uh, alpaca sweaters, (laughs) you know, the finest stuff coming out of Arizona. When you do the drive from Phoenix to Vegas, they they have like all this alpaca stuff out there. That's all the advertisements I was getting for the days after, man. It was hilarious. The guy took us for a ride, especially when he did the whole S.A., and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's Sergio Aguero. It's Sergio Aguero. And then somebody was like, no, 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 it's San Antonio. Who's playing in the San Antonio USL team? And they only got like seven players in the official rosters. We panicked, man. Like everybody was just doing the detective work. And there's some people that get legitimately angry when they don't get it right. It absolutely what? amuses me to no end the levels to which people will go to to investigate Rich's teases. And speaking of teases, if you're a fan of Fern, and we are all fans of Fern and the Expo Originals here. By all means, check out the August 1st, 2019 edition of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. That's episode 29, in which we interviewed Fern, who was uh, a fantastic person, one of my favorite people in the North End. He's a riot. And hats off to him for creating that fervor. And and uh, to the New England Twitter folk, don't put hashtags around our, uh, don't put air quotes around our reporters. All right, these are real people putting beat to the street here to get these stories for you. So... Uh, hilarious the whole thing was just absolutely hilarious chris you were saying no it's just you know we gotta find ways to stay entertained in the off season and this is definitely one of the things and rich's tweets even the people that are way dialed into lafc and all the inner workings of the club those tweets are so cryptic it's like i would say 99.9 percent of people are not going to be able to decipher that code so, it, you know, something as easy as S.A., like Sergio Aguero, it's like there's there's no way. 
there's no way it's that obvious because everything else is so obscure, you know, that it's just hard to follow. I mean, last time he literally spelled the name out for us and we couldn't get it right. So I, I think we've all proven that we're going to overthink it and take it a million different directions. And, and maybe that's kind of part of the fun. Corey Baird, that was like Renix 1.0 because there is that Bear player for Vancouver who were like, all right, it's him. Like it's, it's by, oh, I don't know if you pronounce it by or, or, or bear, but we all thought it was him. So we're like, oh yeah, welcome to the club. So on and so forth. Like this has to be him. This has to be him. This is it. So some people were so confident that the Vancouver supporters were up in arms. They're like this guy's an asset. Why are we letting him go? Why is LAFC getting this? So you saw angry Vancouver fans and you know, that that's the fun thing about the stuff Rich does, man. If we get it completely wrong, we manage to, you know, anger an entire fan base rich will always get the last laugh so raito watch is still ongoing in effect he has gotten on the score sheet at least in the assist category he was able to notch an assist he got a start in an unimpressive nil nil game i think he played about the first hour and change or so did anybody get to catch any of his work with Ude Almeria or any of his performances so far obviously you know we're hoping he lights it up but raito watch has had a bit of a development and fantastic he got an assist i believe it was a game winning assist at that yeah I, I saw the assist on a replay which that was good it was you know it was a nice clean play the start was actually from yesterday and you know yes he did play i believe it was a uh, 67 minutes total before getting subbed out and it, i didn't get to watch any of the game you know and i didn't really look for highlights cuz at this point you just you want him to hit those benchmarks and if there's no scores and it's stuff like that it's it's what's the point of watching but uh either way just updates on brian rodriguez i'm not even sure i'll go ahead we'll talk about our next topic which is our first home match but uh, i will look to see how many games almedia has left so that we can get an idea i would just say it seems like he's progressing so that's good but yeah speaking of our kickoff right april 17th we get to host austin with things slowly opening up i know here in la beginning of this week i think 25 percent capacity in restaurants or some indoor dining being available i think more and more people are getting vaccinated and less and less covid news so i think the city is also trending and potentially allowing beyond the dodgers limited capacity and it seems like lafc's in talks with being able to have some people in the stadium at the bank thank god right how do you guys feel about those possibilities i don't know if you know the community has heard on how that's going to be decided upon some sort of lottery families obviously going to be able to sit together we've seen it in at the super bowl being able to do that vaccination passports all that stuff so it's kind of an open forum here is kind of how i want to approach it and feelings have you heard how it's going to be done and um how excited are you so actually, I had just read on uh, one of the Reddit threads before we started the show today that if LA continues to trend upward in numbers, we could actually not be in just the red tier. We could be in the orange tier, which would allow for even more people to have access to the stadium and stuff like that. So that's a good thing. And, and, and by that's a month from tomorrow. So in a month, we could actually be at the next higher tier, which is uh, hopeful. Uh, in terms of how they're going to, to get people, I think that obviously they're going to look to give season ticket holders an opportunity to come. So, you know, I part of me feels like if someone doesn't feel comfortable coming into the stadium 
right now, LAFC is not going to force them to give up their seats. They're probably just going to delay their season seats and to defer their money until they're ready to, to come back. And uh, so LAFC will, you know, sell those tickets uh, on a general basis. For the fans that do want to come, they're probably going to get a head count of how many are interested in coming, how many seats you have. And yeah, they'll probably just do a, a lottery type system where, you know, they might have a 17 game schedule. There might be five marquee matches, you know, 10 average matches and two matches that are going to be low in terms of head counts. And they might say, OK, hey, everybody gets one marquee match. You know, they just break it up. They just break it up in that sort of tier so that it's somewhat fair across the board. And people are going to complain because, you know, no, you're not going to be able to please everybody. I think the, the most interesting aspect of any of this is going to be how they're going to handle the 3252 and what kind of regulations and rules. You know, I don't know, Jonathan, if you were able to speak on that or if that's been a topic that you guys have had in your meetings, you know, what is going to be some of the rules that the 3252 are going to have to follow when, if, and when they do allow us. So the meeting's tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have an update on anything from the meeting. I think we're all waiting to see what the city, the county, and the state permit us. And every single seat, the city, state, county permit us, we're going to try and take advantage of that as best we can. It's obviously not going to be the 3252 in its entirety. There will be some portion of it. I don't think anyone has any clue how LAFC is going to divide up whatever space they get to permit fans in, whether it's going to be a lottery system, a, a drawing, a, a first come first serve uh, based on someone's you know original season ticket deposit. Who knows? There's so many different ways they could do it. No one has any clue how they're going to do it. But you got to figure it at 20% capacity, you're talking, you know, 600, 700 people that would be in the North End. That's enough for some drums, maybe enough people to, you know, operate some pulleys, maybe a TIFO could happen, who knows? I think that's all still up in the air at the moment. Safety at the forefront, we got to make sure this happens in a way in which, you know, everyone is not at risk. Hopefully people have gotten their vaccinations. I was very fortunate to get my first round of vaccinations last week. It kicked my booty a little bit. I'm hoping that the second one comes down with less incident than the first one, to be honest. But I think it's going to be one of those things where the clear app is involved. People are going to need to link their vaccination card to the clear app in order to be able to get in. That's something that we know LAFC were in partnership with the folks at clear in order to put out masks. So one can only assume if LAFC's partnered with Clear to give masks out to the community that the Clear app might be involved. So fight to get your vaccination. Do what you can to get it as soon as possible. Link that to your Clear app so that you're going to be able to get into the stadium. So it might be based on who's got vaccinations, who doesn't have vaccinations. Who knows? This whole thing is still up in the air at this point. So we shall see. I would love for there to be as many fans as possible. I would love for there to be as much active support as we can safely do spreading people six feet apart in the stadium to make some noise. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can treat broccoli with the same regard that Stewie Griffin has for it. You know, it, it's hard because I mean, even right now, right? Like with what's going on with Mo, you know, whereas for those of you that haven't heard, 
you know, Mo Fazio is is going through his second bout against COVID, and you know he's in the hospital right now. And anytime any person in the LAFC or anybody for that matter has to go into the hospital to get treated for anything like this, it's never one of those scenarios that you want to deal with. And and so when we're all getting back together and we're on the brink of getting back together as a family at these matches, you know, we don't want, even though we are all dying to be together, we don't want to forget that this, there is still a concern and that, that there is still a safety protocol that has to be followed. And it's going to be a hard balance to find that, that great, that happy medium area, you know? So it's, it's going to be interesting what happens in the next coming days. Mo, we absolutely love you. We hope that your recovery is swift. We're rooting for you, brother. Yeah, sending my love to Mo as well. He's always been a welcoming, uh, embracing figure. And we've had some great memories together. And we're, you know, we're, we're praying for Mo, sending uh, our best wishes to him. This is a, it's a horrible undergoing. And it's just, I, just, I hate COVID, man. Having experienced it myself as well a few months back, it is, it's no joke. It's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, Mo. Get better soon fight through it baby well you know what we will all be back together again and you know we are all rooting for you mo and you know but it it is it's going to be it's going to be something that we just got to take our time and do it right and do it safely and eventually we're going to be able to all be back together the way we want to so but uh with that said i think that we should dive into the interview now with uh mr brian slippy hermosillo himself so again man thank you very much for coming on with us we've already a little bit touched on you know, the Las Vegas lights and your experience there. But, you know, before we go into that, we'd like to hear about the young Brian, maybe before you were named Slippy. And, you know, tell us about your first experiences with the beautiful game. Well, thank you guys for having me once again. Like I said, first time caller, long time listener. Let's see, diving into the treasure chest, my life with football. I, I like to think that I was, I didn't have an option. I was born into, you know, with my, my Mexican mom and you know Argentine dad and stuff like that. It was uh, the the love for for Chivas for Liga Mackies was just instilled into me. And then coming to Los Angeles it was a game changer. You know, according to my parents, and I, I spoke about this on the FCFC pod as well. That my first, technically my first football memory is being at the 1994 World Cup, but I don't count it because I was a year old and I don't remember that. Pretty sure there was a, there's a lot of members of the black and gold community that were there. Thanks had, for making us feel old that you were one year old in '94. Appreciate it. You know, I I was like I was, I didn't expect that. I was like I was actually gonna be like oh, I didn't remember because I was like five or six, and it's like wow, you were one year old in 1994. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, man, it was it's crazy. You know, I would have would have killed to see that. You know, get it get a glimpse of of that world cup experience in the United States, but thankfully, Hey, we'll have it back in 2026. That being said, uh, some of my fondest, you know, football memories growing up again, they all surround supporting the Mexican national team during those world cups, you know, 1998 France, that was subconsciously my intro into the whole waking up for premier league games at four in the morning. The matches were, you know, from four in the morning till, till about noon, because, you know, we're in the United States and the time difference with France. So France 1998 was one of the first few football memories that I could actually piece together and remember. Another one was my parents taking me to a Liga Américas final and seeing Chivas make it against Nicaxa at the time. And unfortunately, they lost. 
And that's one of the more vivid heartbreaks I've ever had. You know, going through a breakup does not equate to what I went through that day. Just a five-year-old crying, crying, and crying, and crying, not really understanding what was going on, but just crying because everybody else in the stadium was really sad. Was that one that Gaxa had Nacho Ambriz? I think so. They had Aguinaga, who was on fire as well. And that guy, you know, I, I have nightmares about that guy to the day. Yeah, no, he was an incredible dribbler. Yeah, it's. I remember that final just because both teams wore red and white stripes. And I was like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Who's choosing what? Um, but that's, I mean, that does tell us a lot about childhood memories. Did you, you know, not only experiencing and watching it with your family and being an extreme supporter fandom of Liga MX, did you get a chance to play like in, back in Mexico here in the States? Yeah, I primarily played out here in, in the United States growing up. I played a lot of club soccer, you know, played in the in the Coast League and such. And then there was uh, there was the Norwalk Youth Soccer League where we really made our a name for ourselves. Unfortunately, I was too caught up with trying to watch that sport than to uh, actually play it that I did miss out on some tryouts. And so on. we got to play some high school soccer as well. But I was always more interested in being on the microphone and watching the sport and, you know, doing the whole analysis and keeping tabs of like my favorite players, having booklets and that kind of stuff. I still play. I've been playing, you know, indoor arena, where, wherever I can, because it's a beautiful thing to do. It's incredible being on the field and just going on a run, right? Even, even if you're hungover or even if you know you're past your prime, or even if you know you can't even kick the ball as well anymore, when do you get that one free run and you give it all you can, man, it just brings tears to the eyes. So we know that, at some point in time, MLS enters your life in the form of Dale Chivas, Chivas USA. So explain your exposure to MLS and how you fell in love with the domestic major game. So that's it's a wonderful story with, you know, my father and my mother being so hard on to Chivas Guadalajara and that being instilled onto me. When you hear that the franchise is branching out into the United States, you're like, oh, there it is. There's my team. I have, you know no their option i really you know the galaxy back in the late 90s was really trying to pander to our crowd by bringing in jorge campos carlos hermosillo luis hernandez so on and so forth we really didn't buy into it because my you know my dad being the sort of like elitist of football at times he'd always you know remind me no 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 they're just bringing them to bring in marketing you see that that's marketing right there son that's what they do when they want to get our money but they're not going to that that and the drive the pasadena rolls bowl and seeing it half empty wasn't enticing so we go on to that we go on to chivas usa i believe it was early 2006 i was 13 years old when i got my first experience of a uh, cali clasico is what they called it in their early days and I saw the, the supporter group and I, that's where I want to be. That's what, that's what I want to do. You know, that's the taste that I want. So funny stories in August of 2006, there was a friendly match announced between Chivas Guadalajara versus Barcelona, who were both stacked with players. At the time, it was Ronaldinho in his prime. You got Messi coming up for Barcelona. And Chivas, you got Osvaldo Sanchez, you got Bofo. You got them all coming out of the 2006 World Cup. And the precursor to that is Chivas USA versus the New England Revolution. So it was a doubleheader. It was a league match and an exhibition match. It was insane that they got away with it. And we meet up, we hear that the supporters, the Otras for Chivas USA are meeting up at the Home Depot Center parking lot and they're taking buses over to the Coliseum. 
And my dad says, all right, you know what? I'll go with you. I'm going to drop you off there and uh, go do your supporter thing and, and go learn it. And that's where I meet Rey Salcedo. And that's where I meet El Chio Mayor, Julio. And that's, they, they knew me, you know, we, we go back, that's how far back we go. You know, they know the 13 year old me with, you know, a whole head of hair, excited, sunburned, just wanting to, to yell and scream and shout and, and support the club, man. And I, I'm there on the bus, you know, I've got all these dudes yelling and singing and I'm quiet and like, Hey, come on, dale, dale, dale. and I'm trying to learn the chants, you know, as they come, because I was seeing the game more from spectator as a spectator's point of view, not so much as the ardent supporter in the stands. So that was, that's how I broke into the MLS. There are some roller coaster stories with the Chivas USA experience where, you know, after becoming a supporter, we were there for some crazy times and we saw some crazy stuff during those days. It was from the CONCACAF Champions League to those Cali Clasicos to when Beckham came in and they chartered his flight after an England uh, international friendly and he comes in and the hype's all around it. And Chivas USA wins 3-0 back to back. Those are some crazy times. You got Jesse Marsh bullying Beckham and getting into a fight, getting yellow. Those, those man, those days were insane. I have to say those two 3-0 victories for Chivas over Beckham were really the time when I kind of became a Chivas fan. I wasn't a big MLS fan prior to that. I was more of an international game, more of a European game. But I wasn't particularly fond of Beckham coming over and watching those two games uh, kind of made me a, a Chivas USA fan, although I was a fan from from much, much further out than you during those times. But uh, I'm sorry, you were saying, Christian? No, I was going to say, it sounds like there was a real animosity between the supporter groups. Was it beyond kind of just yelling at each other or trying to yell louder? I feel like hearing Ray and Hula, it sounded like it was a wild west of supporter culture and like just being in each other's spaces at times. Do you have any of those stories or is it just they hated you guys hated them? You wanted Beckham to go back and they came and kind of made it a splash and I don't know like what if you could paint a picture of how those days were and you being so young, like what you experienced. So with the Galaxy, it was always, you know, more of a, it turned into a, a posh experience, a more of a, you know, your your upper class coming in here, dropping $250 to see David Beckham play 25 minutes in the beginning, in the beginning. He was only getting limited playing time as opposed to, you know, not necessarily, you know, there, of course there was the inherited Chivas USA supporters, but there was people who just wanted to watch another team aside from the galaxy, there's families that wanted an affordable option to watch some soccer. People wanted to get into the sport and they, there's no way in heck they could have gone into the sport by paying $500 because David Beckham's here. So Chiba's USA was the alternative. There was a lot of animosity, like this is our house and, and so on and so forth. A lot of, uh, you know, there was the whole spout between, you know, you guys just signed Mexicans or whatever. And we represent Central America. There was there was those bouts as well, uh, which were, you know, baseless because we end up signing Central American players as well, actually more than they did later on in their history. We had Ramon Nunez among them. He was a great player. It was wild, you know, it was wild to see that kind of animosity in MLS at the time. This, you know, this is before the Timbers really, the, the Timber Sounders rivalry really, really goes in. Before, you know, that Red Bull stuff really starts going on. It was, and for me, coming into it, hearing the things I heard, experiencing the things that, you know, sometimes 
things up physical with, you know, drunk fans doing things they're not supposed to, getting a little bit too crazy, taking the banter a little bit too hard. You know, there's always that person that takes the banter a little bit too personal. It's not what we're about. When it stops being the football, we should probably stop it. There was a lot of a, a lot of that. And it was wild, man. MLS, I think I'd like to call that like MLS 1.5, probably MLS 2.0. That was a, just a wild time in the league. Yeah, no, it seemed like it was a time of transition in the league. And it's unfortunate that the Chivas USA ownership didn't see the potential that they had in the market. Good for all of us and now with LAFC and what they're doing. But I did want to, you know, go back to what you were talking about, the Las Vegas Lights. And you had some different experiences there. And you are you seem to be very knowledgeable about their supporter group. But I think you also had a personal experience with playing football and wanting to be part of that community and potentially part of that team. Yeah, so you see, playing football in Vegas was something completely different while I was out there. It's really hot. It's extremely hot. So when you play out there and you're able to play those 90 minutes, my respect, props to you. We played a lot indoor arena football, kind of like with the MASL. We had that seven-on-seven thing going on, the whole regulation field for them going on. And we thought, hey, USL team's coming. Let's do it. Let's try out. So us and a couple of friends got together while at the same time, the lights were announced and they had this thing. It was called the local player guarantee that at least one player picked on the roster was going to be from the Las Vegas market from the tryouts. And the tryouts were, as opposed to other teams, it was cheap. I believe it was $20 and you had a free shirt. Where that comes in is that the owner of the lights, Brett Lashbrook, is hosting an event near my place in downtown because I lived in downtown Vegas uh, over at a theater where they're going to announce Jose Luis Sanchez Solal, Chelis is the manager. He had previously been a manager with Chivas USA, and he knew a couple of us. You know, one time there was the, the Galaxy supporters with the Chivas USA supporters had a match over at the Home Depot Center back then, their training fields, and he actually came out to support us. So that was pretty cool. So that's where we, we remembered him from. And they announced him, and as they're announcing him, the owner says, hey, you know, if you guys want to come meet El Chalice, we're having a meet and greet over at Gold Spike, which is a bar in downtown Las Vegas. Come meet up with him. And we're like, is he saying we can go drink with this guy? I was like, yeah, go have a beer or two with him. So we all go out there, a few supporters. That's where some of the supporter groups were founded, actually. But I talked to the guy and he starts telling me in Spanish, you know, hey, you look familiar. Where do I know you from? I'm like, oh, she was USA. He's like, ah, see, 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 yo me acuerdo, yo me acuerdo. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I tell me, do you remember Julio? Do you remember this guy? I start showing pictures. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it all clicked. And he starts asking me if we know any players out here that there's an open tryout coming. And no better opportunity for me to try to, you know, measle my way into professional soccer. But I'm like, hey, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm six two. I'm uh, 23. I got a I got a strong right foot. You know, I was like, all right, we'll come to the trial. Let's see what you're made of. And I guess they were looking at people. And I, you know, I sweet talked my way into you know getting to the final part of the tryouts. And that's where I had to come clean. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm physically tired. I can't. Uh, I, I was just you know I was I was trying to live out my dream, but I, I can't do this. I'm I'm actually really not that good. I'm I'm gonna get out of here. I can't do this. I'm very tired. I'm sorry. I wasted your guys' time and how to get out of there. <laughs> so yeah, we smooched them into trying getting a, a professional opportunity with the Vegas lights. But that's that's what I'm telling you that the the lights 1.0 was was wild, man. Like that that kind of stuff was going on. 
he brought in some guys out of semi-retirement. I think Joel Wiki from Mexico was pretty much almost retired, and Chalice calls him up. I guess he played with him before. And his whole backline is just Liga Mackey's former players. And, you know, you got the you got some crazy results with that, man. It was, it was wild. I hate using that expression so much, but there is no other way I can describe it. Man. Some of these football stories and some of the ways these teams were ran back then or, or these situations were just wild. I mean, I hate going back into the Chivas USA days, but I'll bring up another example. There was Sueño and Melissa, which was the reality show to carve out the next youth product. And you know who wins the first year? Jorge Flores, now known as Jorge Villalfaña, who goes on to, he goes from like a novelty reality soccer contest winner to playing with the Timbers, winning the MLS Cups, goes to Mexico, plays for Santos Laguna, wins the Liga MX, gets called up by the national team and is now, you know, back home and he's going to be playing for, you know, a rival down the freeway. Those things are wild, man. The, yeah. the early days are wild. Yeah, Villalfaña's been around for a while. He does like wearing green, I guess. That's what I realized. It's crazy how all that stuff seems to come around full circle. Speaking of which, why don't we bring this back to the conversation of LAFC? So obviously, you know, through your Las Vegas experience, your Chivas USA experience, when does LAFC come into the equation? And what was your early experience with LAFC like? So LAFC comes into the equation a few months after Chivas USA is gone. You know, we're bummed. The team's gone. What are we going to do? There's no way we're going to the rival. It's not in the books. We're hoping something comes up. I didn't think it'd be LAFC. I thought, you know, maybe we'll have an FC Whittier come out of nowhere or or something like that. And then you start hearing rumors and whispers about another potential MLS franchise coming up. So I'm messaging the guys. I'm still cool with you. I was like, yo, are we going on board for this? Yeah, we're going on board for this. Like, all right, fill me in. And I think it was... November 2014. I'm I'm not too sure when I officially, you know, jumped ship and made the conversation. I think I was with Rick, Lord Commander Ricardo Scutia's uh, son. I was we were really close back when we were in the Chivas USA day. So I'm messaging him and he's like, Yeah, dude, it's happening. Let's do this. Let's go. Shouts to Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Boy, we we we've seen some things. I, I I'm all for it, but the thing that gets in the way is wanting to go to college. And I have to go to UNLV. So while this is popping up, my last year in LA, 2015, you know, you have uh, people coming to the pubs for Premier League matches. Because at that time, I'm watching Chelsea matches at four, six in the morning, places like the Fox and Hounds, Lucky Baldwins. And you've got Sal and them coming in with the LAFC hats, preaching the good word. And we're already on the hype board. We're fully on board, you know, with the um, original scarves with the snapbacks, everything's just, you know, it's incredible. I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm really sad that I won't be able to partake in everything that's going to be going on because I'll be away, or at least I didn't think I'd be able to partake in it. So we flash forward, we go to Vegas. While I'm out there, I get to see another expansion team pop up for a different sport. I get to witness the the announcement and the growth of the Vegas Golden Knights at the same time, uh, coincidentally, black and gold. We talked to Rich and uh, he thinks they saw our colors first and they're like, yo, that looks good. Why don't we become black and gold too? And I, I'm fully on board with that. I did notice that. But we're keeping our eyes on, you know, we're coming to, to sessions uh, with the Luckies and such as much as I could. You know, I'm traveling back and forth up until the season actually starts. Lucky Baldwin's was like a 
the cathedral for me for football. So a lot of the guys there, uh, Rafa and uh, and Brandon and, and 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 everyone there was, you know, we would get together and watch EPL games, especially with you know Jonathan. You know this uh, as much as the the rivalry with Arsenal was there. There's nothing better than having a pint with the rival team and just you know talking some smack, some friendly smack. You know, nothing too serious, nothing too uh, nothing too aggressive. Just having a pint and uh, exchanging it. But from there having the a professional sports team a soccer club once again resurface in my life in los angeles in that area and have a supporter group start strictly from that culture dude i was so thrilled i was so excited to the point where i would take some time off of work make sure i did all my assignments from work and i would hop on a mega bus or a flix bus shout out flix bus in there five dollar tickets back in and would just come down for a meetup no matter if it was like a two-hour chant session or you know hey we're gonna be we, we need you to wave the flag for something or, or we just have an announcement to make i would make my way down there i'm not the biggest fan of watching arsenal games with tottenham fans there i gotta be honest <laughs> no i mean I, who I can really it. stand being around tottenham <laughs> Lucky Baldwin's is such an experience. It's such a cathedral in the Southland of the game. It's a beautiful place to watch any game, regardless of what team you're rooting for. I completely agree. The vibe there is on another level for sure. So after those early sort of exposures to LAFC, obviously you're a well-known figure within the 3252 now. What are you looking forward to as we return to the stadium with the current club as we go forward? There's a lot of uncertainty with everything going on and with, you know, the pandemic still there and reduced capacity and, and all that stuff. But I'm just looking forward to seeing my team play again, no matter how it is, no matter how we're doing it, no matter where I'm supporting from, if we're lucky enough to be in the stadium, great. If we're out in an alley, socially distanced, watching from a patio pub with the rain going out, that's great too. As long as, you know, I'm watching my team play again, there's some semblance especially in these sad times with everything going on where we'd have to be away from people. Like I haven't seen you guys in quite the while it's, it brings, you know, that, that, that small measure of, of happiness that we so well need in, in these trying times, man. I, I can't believe how much of an impact watching my football team makes with all this going on and, you know, being together with a zoom meeting or, having a clubhouse or just talking about the team just gets me excited right now. Like I'm extremely excited right now. It, the, the fact that the season's just a month away now has me running inside right now. And team wise, man, we made the finals of the CONCACAF champions league when everyone had us out. That's, that's another thing I'm, I'm running on. We were this close to being there, but Hey, we weren't supposed to be there. According to the experts and the professionals, nobody had us there. Like Larry said, we play for keeps and we play for keeps. We went toe to toe with, the best competition in Liga Mekis. Club America is a powerhouse right now of the league. Leon won the league right after that. And um, enough can be said about Tigre as the most successful team in Liga Mekis for the last 10 years. We went toe-to-toe with these guys, man. And that has me pumped up for what we can do in the MLS. Absolutely. We gave them a run for their money. I, it still hurts to think about it, how close we came just 20 minutes away from being Conca champions. But uh, uh, the agony in, of defeat is uh, 
part of the game, I suppose. Well, sir, you have been very gracious with your time this evening, and we know it's getting a little late. So we have one final question for you, sir, and you may have seen this coming. What, Senor Slippy, does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir? Oof. Shoulder to shoulder, to me, as plain as this may sound, means being there. And I'm not just saying just being there, but being there for your fellow supporter, for your club, no matter what happens. For example, we go much deeper than just watching a game with each other. You know, it, it, it goes much, much more than just supporting a team than, than getting your kid on. And it, it, it's, it's much more than that. We, we're with each other through life now, man. These are life experiences. This is a way of bringing us all together. The sport brings us all together. It's, it's a huge social impact. It's being there, man. I'm there for you now. I am there for, you know, your house gets flooded, something happens. I'm there for you, man. Hey, you need someone to, to help you move or whatever. I'm there for you, man. Because at some point in the stadium, I might've been drunk on my butt. I lost my wallet. Friend came over here. Fellow supporter comes over here. Hey, I'll get you a beer, man. No worries. And that, that stuff like that, man, being there. I know that beer sounds like an advantageous example, but that those little things, man, go so far, so far. Being there, yo, this guy helped me out. This, you know, hey, Slippy from from the Luckies helped me move out. Helped me move out. Hey, Slippy from the Luckies did this. Hey, this guy from TSG did this, or this guy from uh, this guy from D nine actually helped me get the job over here, or, or so on and so forth. Man, we're there. We're a community. We're being there for each other. I don't, in my experience with all these other uh, soccer teams, I don't think I've experienced something as I have with the Los Angeles Football Club being shoulder to shoulder with the 3252, with the black and gold community. We hype each other up, man. We are there for each other in the entire sense of the phrase. Yeah. I, you know, look, obviously this culture has had such a profound impact on all our lives. I love hearing exactly how it touches everyone's life. Well, thank you, sir, for joining us today. I'm sure all of you guys know who Slippy is. If you want to follow him at Born Slippy, that's at B-R-N-S-L-I-P-P-Y. No O in that Born Slippy, at Born Slippy. I'm sure you guys are well aware of his social media presence. You can always follow us at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. We thank you all so much for listening to episode 84 tonight. We could not echo our sentiments from earlier in the show more. Uh, Mo, we are heavy in heart in thinking about your battle right now, sir, but we sincerely wish you our best and, and hope that you pull through. And on behalf of Chris Christian, sound engineer, Wilton, and myself, we'd like to thank you, Brian, for coming and joining us tonight and taking some time out of your day. It's much appreciated, sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And with that, Take us home, sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.